Welcome, everybody, to episode 23 of the Fire Nuggets podcast. Today is January 31st, 2022, and we're really psyched to have Jeff Bryan as our guest tonight. The goals here are pretty simple, bring in great guests and try to mine as much gold as possible. Lane and myself, Nick Ladine, will be behind the mics today, and we'll do our best not to drop the ball. Uh, so we get to kind of flip the script today, and we get to interview one of our own. So how are you doing today, Jeff? Good. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on, I guess, uh, on the other side. Uh, world's most boring podcast 2022 let's do this <laughs> uh, i think our listeners will will disagree when all is said and done so appreciate you coming on here man much thanks yeah yeah thanks jeff um looking forward to um chatting with you for a little bit and sharing sharing our good buddy with the rest of the world so uh let's get it started with a uh, your firefighter aurora fire department in illinois Yep. So I've uh, been on the job there for the last seven years. Um, started in 2014 there. Um, <clears throat> uh, currently work on an engine company from time to time. I'll work on a, a medic unit as well. I have pretty limited uh, time and experience on a truck company. Um, but just like a little bit about us, you know, we're a, a Western suburb of Chicago. Uh, we got a little over 200 uh, men and women on the job. Uh, nine engine companies, three trucks, seven medic units, three battalion chiefs a day. Uh, I think we're going to be building a new firehouse here soon. So we'll be adding uh, a number to each one of those. Uh, another engine, another truck, another medic unit. So we got some growth going on. So that's uh, pretty exciting, pretty, uh, pretty good and aggressive, fun fire department to work for. Um, and I couldn't, couldn't be more blessed to, to work for a place like that. So I'm, I'm very happy where I'm at. So Jeff, you said you've been on Aurora for seven years. How long have you been in the fire service total? Uh, it'll be 15 years here uh, in, I don't know, about six months or so. I uh, joined in two, started in 2007. Um, so it'll be 15 years here uh, in a couple months. So, so uh, doing the math on your age, uh, it's... Maybe you started early because you're a third generation firefighter. Uh, yeah, I started uh, when I was 16 years old. Uh, <clears throat> the department I was on initially, uh, my grandfather was actually the fire chief of. Um, I believe he was the chief from 1988 to 1998. Uh, he joined sometime in the early 1960s. Uh, the department only had like 12 members at the time, but. Their, their motto, you know, was they had 12 guys that were all into the job and, and cared. So their uh, quality was way better than quantity. Um, and then my, my dad uh, joined right before my grandfather became the chief. Um, and he, he was a probie, I'm pretty sure, when my grandfather was the chief. And that's, uh, you know, my dad was actually his son-in-law, not his actual son. So that, that must've been pretty interesting. Um, <clears throat> and then my, my dad worked his way up. Um, I got to be on the job when he was a captain, assistant chief and chief. Um, and he's currently the chief still. He's been on for uh, since 88. So he's been on for about 34 years this year. So if I did that math correct, I think so. Yeah, th 34 years. Uh, he still cares about it a lot, and uh, he's a he's a genius with with the things that he excels at. So, can can be more blessed to to have have that family around me. 
So knowing you as well as we do, Jeff, we got a little inside info on you here. Can you tell us a little bit about your time at Amboy? And then can you tell us if there's anybody else special in your life that works there? Yeah. So um, again, joined there in 07. Uh, they started a cadet program. I was part of like the first seven they allowed on it. And out of those seven, six of us were, uh, no, five of us were children of people on the job there. Uh, so, and it's actually kind of cool. Uh, me and another guy that, uh, were part of those original five, we're, we're both full-time firemen now. Uh, so yeah, I, I got to be a cadet for a couple of years until I turned 18 and then I became a probationary fireman and then, uh, became a firefighter there. Uh, as years progressed, I became pretty involved with, uh, the yearly training that went on there, uh, helped develop, uh, training schedules and help actually deliver some of the training, uh, e even though I was a young member. Um, but <clears throat> you know, it all ended up working out pretty good. Um, <clears throat> so let's see here. Yeah. And then I got to actually work alongside, uh, pretty much most of my best friends from high school. They all ended up joining uh, a little later and, uh, there's five or six of us that all rode the back step together. Uh, you know, we, we had six man engines and, uh, you know, you didn't always get six, uh, but a lot of us were very young and in, in, into the job. We always uh, pushed each other to be better with, you know, training, making more, making more runs and everything like that. So, uh, one of the last fires I went to, uh, three out of the four of us in the, in the back, back seat, you know, were, we're all full-time firemen at like Rockford, Springfield, um, and, and Aurora now. So it was, it was pretty cool and pretty cool to see that development, uh, with the, those guys. And then, you know, not only is my dad, the chief, uh, my mom is, uh, on the job there. She's been an EMT for, uh, I want to say she's got like 24, 25 years there. Um, as an EMT, she's an EMS cap. Uh, well, she was an EMS captain or something. She has some rank now that, is something to do with EMS. I forgot exactly what it is, but, uh, my sister, um, is on there as an EMT also. Um, she also is a dispatcher, um, here for our County. My wife is on the job there. She's, uh, been, uh, sh she's doing fire training right now, actually, but she's been an EMT there on and off, uh, for about 10 years, 10, 12 years, uh, just because we had kids in between there. Um, so it's a family affair, you know, everybody's been on there done some time yeah that's a pretty amazing story yeah to hear that many family members in a department um is pretty cool i'm sure there's a lot of special moments for you guys uh so also jeff you are um the vp of the fire nuggets organization and you also run the illinois fire nuggets affiliate uh yeah uh, i started the illinois affiliate i think five, four or five years ago I forget exactly how many years ago it was uh kind of a literally out of the blue chance um I don't know I was just searching the web one day for some some more articles and stuff and then I came across uh the old fire nuggets website because we've updated it since then and uh you know I kind of became intrigued after reading a couple of the articles and I saw a about i think it was in the about us and it said like become an affiliate so i, I literally just did a cold call email hey interested and, you know got, kind of want to see what you have to do and uh joey Schuler, who runs the podcast with us reached out to me and uh you know a couple months later had an interview with the uh board there 
you know, they wanted to know what my interests were, why I wanted to do it. And my, my main interests were, you know, I, I feel, uh, here we're, we're very, we're a very driven, uh, training state. You know, we have a lot of training to offer. Um, just, you know, I wanted to see some more outside training. Like I wanted to, I wanted to have a nozzle forward come in. I wanted to, you know, see brothers in battle and, you know, Dennis Laguerre and some other instructors come in and I really wasn't seeing it in my immediate area. Um, so after talking to the board and, you know, seeing that that was easily a possibility, I said, yeah, you know, I'd be interested. So, um, yeah, I started that four or five years ago. Laguerre was actually my first class and then, uh, he did hydrants to nozzles and then, uh, it was a, su a success other than he was, uh, driving a, uh, Toyota Corolla around in a winter storm. I uh, feel, feel kind of bad for that now, but you know, he made it out. Um, and then uh, <clears throat> the next class I did was VES beyond the door with brothers in battle, uh, which we uh, filled it completely sold it out and had uh, great reviews by it. And actually probably the coolest thing, which dr drove me to do it even more was we had two guys from Fort Dodge, Iowa come over. They took the VES class and two weeks later, I think almost to the day, they made their first ever Venator search rescue as a department. And uh, I think their chief actually even quoted that they came to a training that trained on this. Uh, so I thought it was kind of cool to be able to help like from a logistical side, uh, be able to make that happen. Um, and then as far as the VP, uh, I think I've been doing that for over a year now. So uh, I don't know. Dave, Dave Sprague was the president, a uh, big mentor of mine. Uh, you want to talk about a guy that is not known, but does more for the, the fire service than probably most. That's the guy. Uh, and he doesn't really want to be recognized. He doesn't care about it, but I kind of want to give him that recognition. Um, <clears throat> you know, he's, he's done great things and a lot of people really owe him, uh, including myself, but he's still very much involved. Um, he wanted to step down, kind of focus on some more priorities at his own job and, and family. So he agreed to still be on the board, but we were seeking out a president. And then, uh, you know, because Dave does so much, we decided to split it off into a president and a vice president. Uh, we did some voting and uh, I ended up as vice president. So uh, I enjoy it. There's definitely some more responsibilities, but you know, the, the biggest thing is, is we, we are all firefighters that are on the board there. And we do all this for firefighters. None of us take a paycheck. We don't do it for the money. We just do it to spread training and to make others better. It's pretty simple. And I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Excellent. We're going to pull on some of those threads a little bit later on in this interview. But you mentioned that you're a firefighter and you do this for firefighters. Uh, with your reach uh, with Fire Nuggets, you are national. Um, but in your own backyard, you've also been the Southern Kane County Training Association instructor. Can you, can you, excuse me. Can you tell us a little bit about your time there? Yeah. So that organization started, I want to say in like the 2000s, early 2000s, uh, was, was a very big, successful organization. Um, and then after about a decade, 12 years or something like that, it kind of kind of slowed down quite a bit, um, you know, and, and didn't really have much going on. And then... Uh, like 2015, 2016, uh, one of my really good friends in the job uh, was working on, uh, up there as like a site facilitator, would, would make sure the site was clean. Because we, us in a neighboring department uh, of Aurora would, would use that for our training academies and training and all that stuff. Uh, it's a very big 
uh, well set up site. It has, you know, a great amount of props. The props are excellent. So um, my buddy on the job and another guy would uh, take care of those props, take care of the grounds. And they kind of asked, you know, how to uh, get that uh, training site kind of up, up and up and running again and being used because it's massive and it, it has a lot to offer. And I said, well, I can, I can kind of help, you know, I, I knew the ins and outs of, you know, doing stuff with the office uh, of the state fire marshal, doing trainings, making sure objectives were met and stuff like that. So uh, it was either 2016 or 2017, we, we launched like a vehicle extrication class to kind of get back into it. And then the next year we added a, uh, advanced fire class. And, uh, those are the main two that we kind of go back and forth on right now, uh, because they work, they get students. And th those are the two classes that we excel in and, um, we're used to doing, uh, you know, we've talked about branching out and doing some more, but, um, probably, probably as a little bit more time goes on and we get a little bit more interest in the area, uh, kind of coming back. We'll, we'll do some more, but until then, I mean, we still use it for our fire Academy. We host classes there. We host conferences there. You know, it's a, it's a great site and I can be, uh, can be more happy to, uh, work for a place that has all that to offer to, to fire departments and, and firefighters. Yeah, Jeff, that facility there is second to none. And, uh, it's always great seeing all the instructors and students give so many kudos to such a well-run um just site there that you guys put in a lot of a lot of sweat equity to make that place happen so thanks for that and uh not only do you contribute to uh caring and training a lot of firefighters but you also care a lot about um, the citizens that we serve um in the aspect that you're a contributor for the firefighter rescue survey yeah so uh old nick ladine and i have been uh i'd say we've been pretty close friends since we first Best met friends. at uh yeah at, uh, at at badger uh 2019 or 2018 one, one of the two I, I totally forgot but uh you know uh Polly Sheckelman who who runs that one he needed some stuff and I said hey man I'm I run the Illinois part you know I can run some stuff up to you so loaded like 3,000 feet of hose and some hand tools and some smoke machines and stuff and ran my trailer up there and uh, met, met with Nick and met with Jeff Rothmeyer who, uh, run the Wisconsin, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, Nick and I just kind of kept chatting back and forth. We did some trainings together and, uh, you know, I, I knew of the firefighter rescue survey. I looked at the data, you know, uh, I am a big fan of Justin McWilliams and Brian Olson too. And, you know, I, I think I, I actually reached out to Nick and said, Hey, if you ever need anything, let me know. And Nick knows that I have this really, you know, kind of messed up warped brain of just doing shit and, and making things happen. So I said, yeah, dude, I'll do it. I have no idea what I'll do. And then, you know, I, I joined the group chat and it's uh, him and Shane and Trent and they're talking all sorts of timetables and, and data and stuff. I'm like, oh man, I think I, I think I got in the wrong group. I have no idea what they're talking about. And then they were using like big words that confused me because I'm, I'm just a hillbilly from, from the Midwest that doesn't, you know, know much about that kind of grammar. And, uh, and then, you know, Mick Williams popped in the chat and made me, uh, made me feel a little bit more at home with, with the way that he speaks. You know, uh, if you ever met him, you'll, you'll kind of understand what I'm, what I'm talking about. And he's, he, uh, him and I speak the same language. So, uh, yeah, uh, 
kind of wanted to find my way to make, make myself useful in the group. So uh, Chief Brush started doing the in the news stuff and he did it for three months for his research. And I, I said, yeah, man, I'll, I'll take it over. And uh, I did like one month of it, like right on time. And then, uh, you know, we were right in the middle of a fire academy here at work and, uh, you know, going on a family vacation and school and everything else. And I just didn't have time. So uh, it, it got a little behind, but I was able to catch everything back up by the end of the year. And we uh, did the in the news uh, publication for, for how many rescues uh, firefighters made over the year of 2021, uh, which is a phenomenal number. And I, I doubt that we're even catching half to be quite honest with you. <clears throat> so yeah, I'm excited uh, from where it's, where it's been. I'm excited where it's at right now. And I'm even probably more excited to see where it's going to be going in the next uh, year or two, especially as our, as we grow and people understand who we are and what we do and they start entering surveys. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, on a personal level, thank you for everything that you bring to the table with Firefighter Rescue Survey. Do you remember what that number was for number of rescues that were reported in 2021? 2,173. 2,173. That's impressive. This is the first time, and again, this is probably underreported, but it's the first time that the U.S. Fire Service has tracked, or anyone in the U.S. Fire Service has attempted to track the number of rescues that we make in a year. Um, uh, I, I'm with you that I think that number is, is underreported, um, but that's a, a good starting spot for us. Um, and I think that helps change kind of the, the ideologies and the discussion when it comes to why are we training? What do we need to be training on? And kind of that why purpose, um, that, that intent statement. Um, so thank you so much for, for figuring that out. I know that was a ton of, ton of hours to, to go back and figure out all that, scrubbing the internet and to try to figure that out. Um, taking another left towards training, um, you're also the founder of MAFA, uh, which is the Midwest Area Fire Academy. Can you tell us a little bit about that and, and uh, how that's been going the past handful of years? So as far as the term founder goes, I would almost branch out to say that I'm not really the, the true founder. Uh, this actually kind of started in 09, 2010. A bunch of my mentors that trained me, they're, they're a bunch of Rockford, Byron, uh, a bunch of Northwest Illinois fire departments uh, that taught in our region when, when I was brand new. A bunch of these guys were like, hey, you know, we want to put on this, this big conference in the, the Northwest because uh, actually what I held the initial MAFA you know, there's training towers everywhere, you know, uh, so they're all within an hour. So they're like, yeah, man, let, let's do this thing. Let's crush it. And uh, so my, my dad was part of that initial group as well. And <clears throat> they didn't really know how to get the word out. They didn't really want like um, some college involvement and stuff. Uh, Cause then colleges would kind of make it about themselves and make it about money. So they just wanted it to be low cost, you know, bring in great instructors, you know, from, from the Midwest and, uh, go ahead and, and run it and crush it. So they didn't know how to get the word out there. So, you know, in 2009, I was uh, just a young, dumb kid. And they were like, man, we need a, we need, we need a tech guy. So they brought me on board literally just to do um, like a Facebook page for it. So we started the Facebook page to advertise it. <clears throat> um, uh, there, there was a multitude of, of uh, things that happened back then and uh, it, it ended up being canceled. 
Um, but I mean, the the guys at, at play that were that were trying to put this on were like all the guys that that trained me uh, early on in my career. And when I got associated with Fire Nuggets, you know, after I did like a, I think it was like my first year, which was like three classes I did, I was like, man, I think we could bring it back. You know, I I think we could do this. So. You know, I'd already uh, worked with you and, and Rothmeyer a little bit on some stuff and, uh, you know, friends with, with some other guys in the area that can make things happen. Um, I actually brought back that original, like half of the original group that actually planned it. And they actually ran a live fire class there. And uh, I asked all of them for permission. I said, hey, I want to bring this back. You know, uh, I want to put it right here where it was going to be initially, you know, uh, a decade ago. And uh, they said, yeah, absolutely, let's do this. So we had, uh, I think it was like four or five different training sites and uh, multiple classes. Uh, Nozzle Forward was here. We did uh, two truck classes. We did a live fire class. We did some fire behavior stuff. Uh, if I remember right, it was like 207 students or something like that the very, very first year. And then we, we took all that money and uh, we donated it to uh, children uh, at a burn camp. So it ended up being like three, three to five grand or something like that we, we donated. So um, everybody that was involved was pretty happy with that. And uh, it, was, it was nice nice to do that. And then um, I decided to move it kind of closer to where I work because we have you know training towers all over the place. I have a little bit better connections up here just because I work here. And... Uh, yeah, it's been going strong uh, for three years. We kind of changed a few things. Uh, I kind of wanted to make it a little little smaller, a little bit more uh, intimate. So this last year, we just did one engine class, one truck class. Um, you know, uh, COVID restrictions also kind of make, make things a little bit difficult. So just wanted to make sure that it would work. And we're planning 2022 right now. Kind of looks like it's going to be the same thing. One engine, one truck. And uh I'm working on it. It's not a hundred percent yet, but I'm trying to make this like nearly free to like 25 to 50 bucks a student trying to find the sponsorships to do it. Um, but I'm going to try to do that before we launch it. So then that way, you know, if there's only a hundred student cap or, you know, 90 student cap, I think was what we were looking at, then, you know, uh, it's absolutely free or you pay for your lunch, you know, and, and come in and get some training and have some brotherhood. Well, Jeff, you are a find a way kind of guy. So there's no doubt in my mind that's going to happen. So, um, and then you're also a co-founder of the fire factory LLC. Yeah. So this was, uh, <laughs> this was actually more of like a, uh, I don't want to say it's a joke, but, <clears throat> uh, like 2016 to 2018, uh, I got a couple houses that were kind of offered to me to, to burn down as 1403 burns. And I said, yeah, sure. So we did the first one and then, you know, somebody was like, man, uh, <clears throat> what are you doing this as? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just doing it myself, calling out my friends and, you know, we're doing some training, burning down a house. And uh, he actually pointed out to me that I could probably uh, be in some serious trouble for uh, like a lawsuit or something like that if that happens. So uh, we took a little bit of money and made a LLC. And that is pretty much what uh, if I personally do any trainings, that's what I fall under for, um, you know, either house burns, uh, we've done a couple engine classes, some SCDA classes and stuff like that, but that's really, uh, the company. So I don't get sued. That's, that's really about it. Smart move. It's a means to an end. 
Um, so you have a love of training. You have a love of all things fire, but specifically you have a deep, deep lust for engine work. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I've pretty much, uh, you know, you go back to when I was volunteering, we didn't have a truck company. We had an engine and the engine did all the rescue work, engine work and truck work. Um, <clears throat> and I, I always preferred to, to be on the nozzle. That was probably the funnest probably the funnest spot you can be on, in my opinion, uh, on the fire ground. And, and you control the tempo of the whole fire ground as long as you uh, get that nozzle activated in the right, right location. <clears throat> um, but that kind of just kept on continuing. You know, uh, when I was volunteering, I had, you know, zero idea what I was doing other than a nozzle put water out. Um, I didn't know anything about really hose. I didn't know that much about nozzles other than, you know, a combination versus a smooth bore. Um, you know, I had my preferences back then, but, <clears throat> and then, you know, you start kind of moving forward in your career. You start uh, reading some more articles, you know, watching, watching some more uh, YouTube stuff um, from early on, you know, took nozzle forward, uh, helped Chris Slayer with exponential engine. And then like all this growth and, and knowledge just keeps on compounding, going over and over and over again. And then you start seeing a pattern in yourself of what you actually prefer and something that I, I kind of took out of Laguerre's hydrants and nozzles class that kind of stuck with me is if you, if you look at like a fire department, it should be in, in a triangle and that triangle should actually be knowledge, training and equipment. And I couldn't agree more. So like I, I focused on something that I could, I could focus on myself first, uh, my personal knowledge. So I, I just kept on taking more and more engine classes and actually any class really. I just kept taking more classes, you know, hosting classes and all this stuff. So building up my knowledge, reading uh, articles, podcasts, you know, you name it, just building up my own personal knowledge. Um, and then, you know, kind of deal with Andy Plofkin and Chris Martin from Elkhart and, you know, trying to build up our equipment and everything like that. Uh, <clears throat> you know, switch, improve to, to the greatest equipment that you possibly can. And then, you know, the, the last piece I, I think is, you know, training as a company, training as a department that, that you can kind of start striving for. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, I thoroughly enjoy it and I think I'm going to be on one for most of my career. So I, I want to be good at it. Yeah. Amen. Uh, and so last, last, ugh, last, um, and most importantly is, uh, you're a man that really puts your family first. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie that, uh, is, it should be easy, but it hasn't always been easy because everybody puts different priorities on things. And, uh, you know, it, it's taken me a couple hard realizations that, you know, I need to need to put my, my wife and, and my children, you know, first, first on a lot of things, almost everything actually. So, <clears throat> basically anything I do now, you know, I always, uh, consult, consult with the wife, you know, the, the boss, uh, you know, I, I see what she thinks on it. You know, she, we're, we're basically a team, you know, in this. So, um, I, I couldn't be more blessed to, to have a spouse, you know, that, that is as understanding and as, uh, you know, for, forgiving, I guess, as, as she is, you know, and then my, my, my kids are, they're awesome. You know, uh, my, my girls pull my heartstrings, and uh, my little boy, I think he wakes up every day and says, what am I going to fuck up today? And that just goes 
and does whatever he wants. So it's kind of kind of hard to keep up with him, but uh, you know he's fun. It's a spitball. Yeah, you got a great family, man. So that's kind of the done uh, the end of the bio portion. Now I really want to kind of get into the weeds with with some of the things that I've that I've learned about you over the past couple of years. So we've been fortunate enough to get to know and train with you over the past couple of years. While we consider ourselves to be into the job, your passion for firefighting and training is quite possibly unmatched. Uh, and that's not hyperbole. Can you tell us where this passion comes from and what fuels it? Uh, it actually came mostly from uh, two quotes that uh, my old high school football coach told us. Uh, the first one was, um, you know, we, we had just finished the season, you know, it was the last game that all of us seniors were going to play. And he said, like his closing remarks is, uh, you know, never let another man beat you. And, you know, if you think about that hypothetically, what he means is, you know, never allow yourself to be beaten by anybody else. So it's up to you uh, and how well you prepare for anything in life. So I, I've always taken that as I need to make sure that I'm always prepared and always on top of my game. And the other thing was, you know, we played some team, we were kind of a smaller uh, team size wise. So, you know, he would always tell us that hard work beats talent. So th that's something that I've always, always, uh, you know, contemplated on or not contemplated on focused on is I always just wanted to be the guy that would work, you know, look at things, go out, do stretches, flow lines, um, do mask up drills, do SCBA drills, find weaknesses, improve them. And, you know, nobody's going to make you better more than yourself. So it's always important just to keep yourself honest and uh, continuously improve. Yeah, what a great mindset to have. And so, Jeff, you might be the busiest man behind the scenes in the fire service, purposely, purposefully creating the culture that our communities need. But as we all know, um, behind every good man is a great woman. Can you tell us a little bit more um, about Ashley and how she picks up your slack and champions your causes and helps you be such a big success? Yeah, I mean, she's she's been uh, pretty much behind me <laughs> kind of almost since we started dating, uh, you know. We, we've been together for like 12 years or so, something like that. And, uh, you know, I was actually going through paramedic school when, when we first met and I kind of told her, you know, my, my career goals and what I wanted, where I wanted to be. And, uh, she, she always made sure that I was studying. Um, you know, when I went through fire classes, she always made sure that I understood the coursework and, you know, I would do the same for her, you know, it was a, it was a two-way street. So, I always tried to, to make the best come out in her. She always made the best come out in me. Um, and honestly, she's, she's only gotten better uh, with, with time, you know, cause I mean, back then I was just trying my best to, to better myself and get hired, you know, and then, and then you get hired and you're trying to do your best on the job and, you know, you're reading over uh, all your policies and stuff and making sure you're up to date on those. And then, you know, as time goes on, you help with the fire Academy and, you're trying to figure out the best way to instruct people. And, you know, she, she gives me honest feedback. She's, she's probably more honest with me than probably anybody. And it's harsh sometimes. I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, she, she's a very blunt woman, but that's, uh, that's what makes her great. Um, so, and, you know, she, she's always blunt and honest with me. And then, you know, as uh, I started doing the fire nuggets thing and teaching more and hosting more, um, I, I kind of didn't let her actually really get too involved with uh, the first 
MAFA conference I did because I really wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. Um, and then, you know, kind of kind of after that, I kind of decided uh, I, I really needed some logistical help. So uh, she she always offered it. I mean, right now she she comes up to pretty much every conference or class that I do and she uh, she'll go make runs for water. She'll make runs for food. She actually is the one that actually reminds me that I have to feed people because I usually forget it uh, until about 48 hours before. And then I have to call and do a panicked order to like firehouse subs. And they usually yell at me for not letting them know earlier and uh, stuff like that. But uh, honestly, the, the last few, and I mean, I, I, I don't know, you guys can tell me if you feel differently, but uh I feel like the last few conferences I did uh, or classes have, have flowed much smoother and I definitely owe it to her because she has like a little checkbox in her mind of, of stuff that I'll probably forget. And uh, I worry about the big stuff. She sweats the small stuff and that's how we work together as a team to, to be better. And I couldn't thank her enough for it. I like how you worded that too. Uh, what it reminded me of was, God, I think it was, was Rosenbaum's podcast where he talks about one plus one can equal more than two, uh, or I forget how he said it, but two plus two some, equals ten. Was yeah, that, that's what it was. Something along the lines of you know the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, right? And and I see that with you. You guys are kind of synergistic. She's picking up your slack. Uh, where where your peaks and her valleys seem to seem to meet, uh, and both you guys seem to bring out the best in each other, which I think is all that any husband or wife or, or partner could ask for in the other one. So Jeff, when I think of you, the first thing that comes to my mind is getting phone calls or texts that just say something as simple as like, I got an idea. And then you just leave that hanging there for a minute. And I'm like, well, what's the idea? So then I text back. I'm like, what you got? Um, and over the past couple of years, it's been everything from virtual academies to manuals to books to data analysis or presentation techniques tactics classes conferences fundraising etc cetera, etc cetera. um we're pretty sure that your brain never turns off do you know where these ideas come from and then kind of maybe more importantly what allows you to easily so easily think outside the box so i'm pretty sure my brain actually doesn't shut off i'm pretty sure i have a form of add that's gone uh, undiagnosed for for decades um, but you know, I mean, uh, I'm very, uh, I always want there to be growth. Um, so all, all I really think about most of the time is I, I want to make sure that I, uh, am the best prepared, you know, mentally, physically, psychologically and everything like that. And then after that is, and even during that is how can I grow and, and, and be better at any of these things? How can I grow in skills? And the biggest thing is, uh, with really anything in life, not just fire service related, the only one holding you back from accomplishing or doing anything is, is yourself. You know, there's, there, there's no mythical they or them. That's just some, some shit you made up in your mind that, you know, is, is giving you a reason not to do it. Um, as far as thinking outside the box, I, I think that's what our profession is. We're, we're thinking outside the box all the time. I mean, you, you take even your, your general, medical call of a, of a woman uh, who, you know, has lower back pain and she, she can't move. It hurts to move. Right. Well, what does she have? She has, you know, a eight by six bedroom with a queen size bed and a dresser, and you can't get anyone in there and the door only opens halfway. Well, how are you going to get her out? You, you got, you got to figure it out anyway. You know, you're going to take the door off. You're going to take out the window. Um, 
you know, so we, we were meant to operate outside of the box. So I, I think thinking outside of the box for, for all of us should actually be quite simple. Um, I mean, and then like, like you said, man, I, I really just bounce ideas off of people like you guys. Cause <laughs> it's quite simple. Uh, if I have an idea, I really just need someone to tell me it's either really dumb or it's really good. And then after that is kind of what I will choose to pursue or not. So thank you for being my ear. Seems like, <laughs> and I mean this in the best way possible. It seems like that your ideas are, I, I'm always a big fan of them. And I'm, I'm one to never say anyone's ideas are, are, are not worth pursuing, but it seems like your ideas are like, it's, it's already been, your, your mind's already made up when you, when you broach this subject with me. And so I just say, cool, I'll, I'll get out of your way. Or if I can help you, let me know. But, but I appreciate how you take, you seem to take ideas from other arenas uh, in life, things you've seen, things you've heard, things you've watched, things someone else has told you. And you're like, now, how can I do this in the fire service? How can I make this better? Um, and I'm a giant fan of that. Um, and so uh, thank you for, for all your ideas and, and don't stop them from coming. So it's, it's funny that you actually say that. So like uh, I, I had a company officer on the job. He's one of my biggest mentors, you know, and he, he knew that, you know, I was really into the job and I like taking classes. Right. So, and he, he really spelled it out. I mean, I was already doing this, but he already spelled it out the best way when you go and take classes. So let's, let's use a, a, a very well taken class that thousands have taken. So let, let's take nozzle forward, for instance. Right. So he shows the accordion forward, V split, you know, and, and all these things. He shows a minute man pretty much. Right. Is, is all he shows. So if you go back to your department and you know, you have multiple engine companies, you can't just be like, Hey boys, we're switching to a Minuteman, you know, because this class, you know, uses Minutemans and they're pure gold. No, you, you take, you take that information that you were given those skills that you were taught and you figure out how you can apply them to your situation at your fire department and get the best out of those skills uh, that you've been presented. So that's, that's kind of the way that I look at things is you, you always, you always take ideas and then apply them to what will work for yourself and your organization. Yeah, that's awesome. And keeping keep going down the your ideas rabbit holes. I don't. Not only are you always overflowing, like overflowing with ideas, and um, but unlike many, myself definitely included, you also have the ability to pull off these big ideas. Um, how many classes and conferences alone have you hosted or had a part of organizing? Uh, I mean, as as far as hosting. Uh, if we go with like a single or, or, or two-day class or back-to-back -back class, uh, it's probably like three to four a year. And then, you know, I've done the MAFA one for the last couple of years, every year. Um, we started search school last year. Uh, again, though, I'm not doing all these on my own. You know, like I just, you know, spark up a conversation with, hey, what do we think about this? Could we do this? You know, Um I flew out to West Coast Truck uh, last year, uh, gave uh, Alex Hickey, Casey, Casey uh, Corrigan, and uh, Pete Brumley a hand with that one. Um, they didn't really need a hand, but I kind of wanted to, uh, to go out there and, and offer some help if they needed it. Uh, so that was kind of a cool experience. And then, like, 
uh, Dave Sprague, myself, and uh, Chris Slayer actually do um, a decent chunk of helping out uh, all the other affiliates and and even non-affiliates. Like it, we're not like exclusive. Like you don't have to be a part of the Fire Nuggets organization to to get help. So like uh, Southern California just ran uh, a nozzle forward class. Um, myself and, and Sprague helped set up the registration site. We're helping with emails, notifications, and then also, you know, checking with that site rep to, to make sure, you know, they have all the engines, all the hose, everything that they might possibly need. Um, and then, you know, uh, Treasure Valley Fools, which is in uh, Idaho, and, and uh, Ken Bowman, another uh, Idaho guy, you know, they reached out and they, they went to James Greenwood and Greenwood kind of forwarded them on to me. They just wanted some help setting up something with a registration page and, you know, sure. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're all here to help each other anyway. So just help them get a registration page set up and, you know, do it. But I mean, honestly, the stuff that I, that I do or, or, or help with is, is on the, on the small scale, the people that actually like pull it off are, are the ones that, uh, you know, deserve the recognition as far as that goes. So. I think you're being modest. I know you're being modest. Uh, there's dozens of other conferences that you've helped with hotel rooms or logistics or flights uh, and obviously the registration pages. Uh, so I think you're downplaying uh, everything that you've done. But to, to kind of pull this thread just a little bit more, I think there's a lot of people in the fire service who like want to put on a class or a conference. They want to bring some of these big names in or even just some local guys in so that people can do work. But I think oftentimes they're intimidated by the potential scope of putting on a conference and hotels and flights and registrations and websites and all the other logistical things that go into putting on a class. Do you have any uh, advice for brothers and sisters that, that might be thinking about putting something on, but might be a little bit gun shy? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, again, to, to mimic what I said shortly ago, you know, the only one holding you back is, is yourself. And, and your belief in yourself. So the first thing you got to ask yourself is why do you want to do this? You know, and, and where do you want to do this? So like your, why you want to do this should be, you know, you want to improve training in your own organization in your area or that, you know, um, if, if engine work is, you know, like a struggling, um, a struggling skill in, in your region, you know, do you want to bring out, you know, these guys or that guy or those guys, or girls, you know, um, or search, you know, and, and so on. And then you have to find the where, like most places you need, uh, you need a training tower or you need somewhere to do the training. Um, some people can do training in, in parking lots, you know, that's, that's allowed and you know, it, it works, but typically you have to have a where, uh, if you're going to do a seminar, you know, are you going to do it at a firehouse? You're going to do it at, uh, like some kind of cathedral or, or, or some other place that has, you know, some, some cool, uh, places where you can do speakers. Um, and then the when, the when is important for the instructor side. So if you're bringing in like well-known instructors that travel the country, uh, you, you can't just go to them in January and be like, Hey bro, I'm doing a class in March. Uh, I'm going to put you on the calendar. N no, these people normally do like a year out in advance bookings. So you have to know when you're going to do this and have multiple dates. Don't just be like, I'm hard set on uh, you know, October 22nd, it has to be that day, you know, especially if you're bringing in multiple people, like I would suggest always starting off with just a solo class first, 
Um, and if you're, if you're going to do like a conference style, maybe just do like what I would call a symposium, which is just speakers, you know, cause it's just way logistically easier. Um, and then after you have the why, the where, and the when, uh, that's when you figure, well, the who also comes with the when you have to figure out who you want. So, and then when you want them. And then the last part is, is the how, you know, which is all dependent upon if it's lecture or if it's uh, hot class. So most, most cadres will send you a logistics list. And then uh, how you get that is how you work with your um, relationships, past and present and future. Um, so like you can't borrow something from somebody and then totally, you know, ghost them after the conference and, and not return it for, you know, months. You know, so, and that's like, I'm only saying these things because these are the things that I've struggled with too. You know, like I, I am not perfect by any means whatsoever. So the, these are all just things that I've learned through trial and error. Um, you know, there's a lot to the how, and when, when how to do it comes up, you need to bring on people. You don't do even a solo day class by yourself because it's, it's pretty freaking difficult. So Make sure that you have, have buy-in either with your department or uh, friends that, that can help you out. And just make sure if you're planning on doing it, start building up your relationships and start building up your communication with others. And that's, that's what will set you apart. Yeah, awesome advice there, Jeff. Thank you. And so also uh, speaking of classes, starting on Wednesday and for the next six Wednesdays, Fire Nuggets is putting on the virtual search academy with some amazing instructors lined up, like Kirk, I, uh, Chief Isaacson, uh, <clears throat> uh, Chief Lombardo, Grant Schwable, uh, new chief as well, um, Sean Duffy, Gary Lane, and Chief Brian Brush. And so to my knowledge, this is the first intimate virtual class that Nuggets has put on, and uh, it's, it happens to be your brainchild. Uh, what were you hoping to create with this class? Uh, you know, uh, number one, uh, all three of us are in a cold part of the country and it is very cold here, uh, January, February, and even, you know, the first part of March. So typically most, most places aren't, uh, going out in snowstorms and, uh, really, really doing a lot. Could they? Yes, absolutely. And I'm not saying that we get away from hands-on training. What I'm saying is, is there's not always the, the big, large availability that there is from, you know, April to November. So what this does is this offers people to do stuff directly from their home. They don't have to go anywhere um, and it's recorded so it can be sent to them if they miss it. So if they're, if they're on duty and they miss it, they can have it sent to them. So the, where the big thing came from this was I kind of threw this idea out to Nick. <laughs> you know, I said, hey, man, uh, you know, when we did the hands-on search school back in September, you know, it was, it was incredible looking around and seeing uh, Cody Trestrail, Grant Schwalbe, Dustin Martinez, Nick Rothmeyer, Matt Doney, you know, Jeremy Stewart, like all these badass search instructors in one location with all this knowledge to, to present to, to everyone. And I was like, man, that is, that is just badass. Like th there's a lot of people here that are just going to get so many nuggets from these two classes that they're going to be able to take back to their department. And it kind of got me thinking, you know, and, and uh, Nick and, and myself and a couple others are going up to Minnesota in a couple months. And we kind of broke the class down into four sections, you know, uh, of search being split search, orientated search, uh, 
engine search and a, a, a vent enter search. So we kind of were tossing those ideas back around and I, I thought it was important to have a mindset and a why in there as well. And I, I think that is the utmost of importance. And uh, we also decided to throw chief brush in there with, with rescues and like our data, our numbers. So I don't think we could have picked six better uh, dudes. I mean, we had some, some other guys that we asked to, you know, and, and, and they couldn't make it happen, but that's okay. And, you know, there's, there's great instructors everywhere is, is the thing, you know, so it was pretty easy to find six, six badass dudes. And, you know, this is kind of like a trial course. We're going to do this one, see how this one goes. And, you know, and when, when it's cold again, maybe we'll do like an engine one, or maybe we'll do like a force entry one. And, you know, the, the biggest thing is, is this helps get training out there. This helps get information out there. Uh, it helps keep, you know, brotherhood alive. And uh, this also helps with, with some, some funding as far as future classes uh, as well. So I'm um, pretty excited about it. And I think uh, Nick and Chief Isaacson are kicking off the first one this Wednesday. So should be a good time. Yeah, I'm super stoked that this is going to be like smaller class sizes that hopefully after six weeks of three hours of pop, you know, 18 hours, these people feel like they know each other. Not only do they glean a whole bunch of information from these badass instructors, but hopefully they make some connections uh, for their own networking um, purposes as well. So awesome idea, man. I'm, I'm stoked for this. Um, we talked earlier about how you're, you're an engine nerd at heart, but over the past couple of years, you've been really involved with firefighter rescue surveys, excuse me, firefighter rescue survey. Uh, over the past decade plus, there's been a lot of great discussion in the fire service about how attack and ventilation need to be coordinated. But how do suppression and search fit together and how, what does coordination between those two look like? Well, I think the answer for this is actually pretty simple. Um, I believe it was McWilliams that, that has said this, you know, uh, when all the units arrive on scene, whether you're at a small or small organization or whether you're at, you know, one of the largest organizations in, in the country, you know, the, the question is like, who does search? Is, is it the truck company's, you know, uh, obligation to do search? Is it the engine company's obligation, you know, to do suppression, blah, blah, blah. You know, but when it comes down to search, you know, search is done by everyone. Every single person on the fire ground, doesn't matter the tasks they're given, uh, search is done by uh, every position in, in my opinion. So if, if I'm going in on the line and I'm on the nozzle, you know, uh, we know from our data from firefighter rescue survey, you know, uh, a large portion is obviously found in, in bedrooms. Do fires typically start in bedrooms? Uh, not, not necessarily all the time, you know, we might have some space heaters or, you know, some arson or, you know, uh, things of that nature, but, you know, typically, you know, you're looking at like basements, you're looking at kitchens and, and other locations like that, but where does the engine company typically take their first line? There's, you know, two to three entry points that typically, and actually we'll even just say two that are typical and it's the front door and the side or rear door. It all depends on the, the layout of the house, obviously, but where does the engine company go when they go in those doors, right? So if you're going in a rear door, it's probably a kitchen. Kitchen makeup, you know, I think it's like eight to 10% or something like that of, of, of victims found. You go in the front door, you're going in through a porch, you're going in through a foyer, you know, that's another so many percentage. Then you're going down a hallway. While you're there, you're next to the living room. The guy who's feeding hose, typically an officer, if you're on a three-man, uh, can go ahead and do a real quick sweep in the, uh, in the living room. If you go into the rear, do a quick sweep in the kitchen. 
maybe there's a half bath and everything like that. And like, if you break this down, like percentages wise, it ends up being like the truck companies, if they hit the bedrooms can hit, you know, 45 to 50%. And the engine companies, if they're going in uh, on, on the first floor, you know, they're not doing like a lines over ladders deal. If they're going in on the first floor, front door, side door, rear door, you know, they can also knock out another 45 to 50% of, you know, where victims are typically found. And then that just leaves the uh, pesky uh, other and, uh, and bathrooms really, which, I mean, we, we've even talked about what other is in our, in our group chat, you know? Um, so I, I think everybody searches as long as everybody has the mindset that the victims come first, you know, obviously if you have fire presenting, you know, the engine's going to, going to take care of and, and start knocking out suppression. But, you know, when we go through that front door, you know, uh, the guy, the guy feeding hose do a quick sweep behind the door. And then if the nozzle man trips over uh, a victim, you found one and then, you know, either tell, tell the next guy on the line, Hey, we've got a victim. And then the, the next guy is going to, you know, drag him out. You know, it's almost like what, like what you told me a, a while ago, Nick, and I, I truly believe this. You search from the top down and you extinguish from the bottom up. And that's exactly how, how we can handle these, you know, as long as the truck company is taking care of their searches on, in the bedrooms. And then, you know, typically you'll have another company come in and even aid with searches on the, on the fire floor that you're on too. But that's also something that, that we can knock out as an engine company. There's no special tools or equipment that are really needed for a search. So just, just your hands. So my opinion, everybody should be doing search. It's, it's our mission. It's our job and it should be our number one priority. Boom. What a great answer, Jeff. Uh, so kind of wrapping up here as we get into the final questions. Uh, so broad brush strokes, when it comes to the job, what are we, the American fire service doing correctly and what are we doing wrong? Okay. So I think correctly, I think we're actually doing a lot correctly. Uh, currently, um, we have more information at the ready than ever before. I mean, you're talking, we got podcasts, we got articles, we got books, we got manuals, we got Google drives just filled to the to the fucking brim with information, you know, um, look at like West coast, uh, fire training. They put out videos on, uh, and Jay like illustrates, uh, Jay Bonifield illustrates it beautifully. I mean, we got, we got videos, uh, pictures. I mean, th the information possible out there is just endless. I mean, literally endless. Um, plus the other thing too, you look at, you know, uh, if you want to talk like top dog in the training training world, Let's say, let's use like uh, Dennis Legear, for instance. I, I, I'm an engineer, so we use Dennis Legear, for instance. I could pick up my phone and call Dennis right now, and we'll talk for three hours, and he'll give me his input on anything, okay? And, and he's, like, he's like a top, you know, uh, dog instructor. You know, I could do the same thing with Chief Isaacson, you know, Cody Trestrill, Aaron Fields. You could do the same thing. You know, as long as you build a relationship with these people and even just reach out, you know, on, on Facebook, via text, anything, all these, you know, nobody owns, you know, their, their content. It was all passed down to them. So they're going to give you the best answer that they have from what they had passed on to them and what they preach now. So that's what I think we're, we're doing right. I mean, I mean, training is if you decide to go to training, uh, you know, uh, like, like micro conferences and all that stuff is, is popping up everywhere. So the ability of information and the amount of training, I think is what we are absolutely crushing right now uh, in the American fire service. Now, what we're doing wrong, um, 
kind of two things. I, I think from, and, and I'll, I'll actually hit this on the, on the, I'll hit one of them on the next question, actually. So I'll, I'll break this down to one thing we're doing wrong is we have, uh, we spend way too much time fighting uh, good guys, fighting good guys in, in the fire service. So if you take it and, you know, <clears throat> I mean, there, there's instructors that absolutely despise other instructors that are, their job is to literally go out there and teach other people, but they won't do it because X, Y, and Z guy is going to be there. Like that's absolutely ridiculous and uncalled for. And, and that's, you know, I don't know, man, that's, that's kind of against the whole mission of being an instructor is you're not there. So you don't see the other guy, you're there to teach the students. And I mean, even, even in the fire service in general, I mean, you know, a, a good mentor of mine told me you can kind of break down the, the job into to three simple terms. There's givers, there's takers, and there's occupiers. So the, the top 20%, you know, of, you know, the fire service that you're around will be, will be givers. They're the people that give back. They're the people that give a shit. They're the people that want themselves and others to be better. And they continuously give and give and give. And then there's occupiers, which occupiers aren't bad people, you know, uh, they might uh, just occupy a seat or they might occupy the interior space with you. They're kind of like a wishy-washy. They might, they might be great. They might be mediocre, you know, but they're at least there with you and they're not, you know, really a making waves kind of people. And the last one is there's takers. And these are pay people that just take, 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 and they just take everything that is only going to benefit them. And uh, that's all that they're concerned with. So if there's anything that, that I think we could really do a better job at is we can quit having the good guys disliking the other good guys and all work together. <clears throat> and then I, I think we would be in a much better place if, if we could focus on that area uh, personality wise. I love that answer. Um, uh, I think that rings absolutely true for the fire service where we're having givers fighting givers at times. Um, and even within certain departments, you know, there's there's guys that don't get along with with other guys or gals, um, but they're all engaged. These are the people that should have some type of unified message. Um, and then I see this even more broadly in in society, where we we fight these dumb battles online or even in person um, about something that really is doesn't really matter. Um, but we get so emotionally driven that we can't step back and have a, a rational conversation at times, and that's. That's frustrating. Uh, so that, that answer totally resonated with me. All right. Uh, if you had a crystal ball and could see into the future, what would fire service training and learning look like in 10 to 20 years? He's thinking uh, right now. Sorry. No, uh, <laughs> somebody was calling me and then it shot the, uh, shot the zoom call down. So, um, if, if I, so, Two, two things that I would really uh, uh, absolutely love to see is, is one, um, I think I, it drives me nuts that every state has like a different uh, objective list. So that's kind of one thing that has always puzzled me and, and question and, and I've questioned. And, you know, they're, they're not really like super great either. The, the objective lists, you know, it's, it's very generic, very... Uh, you know, uh, pull X, Y, Z line to, to hear, you know, check, you know, blah, 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 you know, uh, discharge ABC extinguisher check, you know, it, it's just a lot of check marks and some that I would, I would really love to see 
is, and I don't know what agency would do this. I don't know if it's like a UL NFPA or, or USFA. I, I have no idea who, who would undertake this, but it would be awesome. I think, I think if, if an organization that had some humility came up and they said, Hey, we're going to make every, uh, you know, all the objectives are going to be the same for every, uh, you know, fire department across the country, uh, as far as training goes. And then what you do is you humble up even more and you bring these subject matter experts in that we have. So like, if you're, I think you could take, you know, you could do like one week, uh, I don't want to call it fluff, but like one week intro. So you like history of the fire service, why we exist and all that, all that jazz. And then your next week, like very first thing is like SCBA and you bring in, uh, you know, current smoke divers in and you ask like, Hey, what are some objectives that we should be hitting? Uh, when we talk about SCBA work and you do it for a whole week, you know, <clears throat> and then, uh, and, and you can break these classes down. Like it doesn't have to be like, you're going to go to XYZ Academy and do 10 weeks in a row. Cause honestly, for the volunteer organization, that just quite simply wouldn't work. So I, I think these are classes that you could offer on the weekends. Uh, and, and also, um, that you could op uh, offer in separate instances. So, and then, you know, do three to four weeks of engine work, three to four weeks of truck work, do a week of RIT. Um, and then, you know, ha have whatever else you need in there, you know, as, as far as prevention and, and, and all that jazz. Um, but I, I think that would be the biggest thing uh, would, would be to see that and have, have those guys that really excel in those areas come in and put their input in it and then have uh, like an instructor approval for those certain subsections. Cause like, so like we talked about earlier, I really like engine work. I probably shouldn't be the guy showing, you know, topside ventilation. So I think that there, there could be different criteria that you can meet for in instructor levels, even as far as, you know, doing this. Um, and then offer these classes all across the country. Uh, I, I think that would be awesome to see. I have no idea if it would ever happen, but I think that'd be awesome. And then the other part of this because you know that i'm pretty passionate about this nick uh and i get probably get this from my dad mostly but uh funding uh i i i think that most things holding people back is uh time and money uh from training so i think it would be cool if we could find something some way um i mean i i did some real quick and easy math you know like if you take a, a job my size and everybody uh you know gives up, you know, three to $5 a paycheck, which is, you know, and, and they just automatically withhold it into a separate account in like a credit union or something like that. And then you have a list that goes from seniority down to the bottom and anybody can go and use that cash to take a class if they want. You have a cap on it, you know, and you know, nobody, nobody can go over like $500 or something like that. But like every, every two weeks, if you're supplying that fund, if nobody touches it in like the cold mundane months, like we have now, that fund's going to be pretty high. Now, do I think that's like the end all be all and would people go after it? I, I have no idea. Uh, but if there was something else that we could do at like a state or like a national level, uh, I, I think if we could have low cost and nearly free training, I, I think we would see leaps and bounds happening across, across the fire service. Yeah, I concur. I, I love your ideas, Jeff. Always very solid ideas are going to make everybody better. Uh, so lastly, rapid fire, what are the best, what's the best class you've ever attended? Oh, I'm sorry. I have to do this. I, I know somebody else did it, 
but I, I can't have just one because uh, these are the different classes that have affected my career. Um, so if you're talking about like engine nerdery, I think this is pretty simple. This is not nozzle forward as far as like engine work goes, as far as like search work and mindset, uh, VES Beyond the Door by Brothers in Battle. Um, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed uh, Dennis Laguerre Hydrants to Nozzles. Uh, that, that was very big with the information. And, and I'll even put Chief Isaacson's uh, gallons per second too, really made me think a lot of things through. So those two kind of are like combined into one. And like the last two, I, I got to say, this one class is probably like one of the hardest classes I've ever taken. Um, the Fire Service Institute here in Illinois, uh, they do a writ under fire. It's like a 50 plus hour, uh, all hands-on writ class. And I mean, they they beat the shit out of you in a good way though. Um, and you learn what you're really capable of. You learn, if you go down there with a the group, you really learn what, what you guys as a company are capable of. And it's probably one of the best hands-on classes I've, I've ever taken. Um, and lastly, nobody's going to know this guy and nobody's going to know this class. That's why I think it's special. It was the very first outside training class I ever did. It was in 2008. I did a basic SCBA on Saturday, an advanced SCBA on Sunday uh, by a guy named Chief John Petrakis. He's the chief in Shanahan, which I later worked for, <laughs> uh, kind of ironically. Um, but he did uh, 16 hours, basically, of nothing but SCBA work, uh, donning, doffing SCBAs, uh, the components of it, maintenance on them, uh, shifting, dumping your packs, going through you know mazes, confidence, and everything like that. And he really instilled discipline in us from that class. I think I did like 250 push-ups because every time there was an air leak, you did 10 push-ups. So you're talking, uh, you know, I was like 16 at the time when I took it, I think. So we had a class of 30. So out of 30 people, you had to get no air leaks was the, the very first drill. So we did a lot of push-ups. It instilled a lot of discipline and it instilled uh, a very good mindset in me to be very uh, passionate with my SCBA and, and know the ins and outs of it. Uh, so those are the five classes that uh, over my career have affected me positively. Awesome. Little extra credit answers there then. Uh, all right. So what's the best conference you've ever been to? <clears throat> um, mm, so my, uh, my dad's actually ran this conference biannually for since the nineties, uh, Amboy fire and extrication school happens every two years. Uh, I'm trying to think there was, um, I want to say it was like either 2009 or 2011, maybe <clears throat> there was a, uh, live fire class that I did. Um, it was, it was some Chicago guys and other things like that. Um, but like as a conference as a whole, you know, where I live, there's only like 2,500 residents and there was 500 students here. Um, so I, I mean, as far as looking at it from like a conference standpoint, I mean, that, that's probably what actually pushed me to kind of do what I do now. But I mean, it was just phenomenal. There was people everywhere. I mean, <clears throat> you, you look at what that did for like a, a, a town my size uh, as far as economically. And then uh, the classes that they offered, I mean, there was... Uh, John Sulka, Mike Lombardo, Tim Klett, uh, uh, some, some Chicago guys uh, that, I, that I know. I mean, 
there was just classes all over the board. Uh, and I thought it was one of the best conferences I've ever been to. And I'm blessed now to kind of be a part of it here and there, here and there. So. That's cool. I've never heard that before about the Amboy Fire and Extrication School. I've heard of the school, not that you had 500 people come um, to a relatively rural area in Illinois. So that's pretty impressive. Uh, so kudos to your dad. All right. My favorite question that, that we ask everybody is what's the best book you've ever read? Um, so this is going to seem pretty uh, non-original, but uh, I really enjoyed uh, Jocko's Leadership Strategy and Tactics. It's a, it's a little green book. Uh, it's very, very effective uh, for um, dealing with people, dealing, uh, becoming a leader, dealing with leaders, you know, you name it. Um, and then I'm also kind of right in the middle of the mission, the men and me, uh, excellent book so far. Couldn't be, couldn't be happier with it. And then kind of a very small book, but it's easy to read, uh, for people like myself, um, fighting fire by Chris Brennan takes like a philosophical approach to firefighting and, uh, he's kind of local uh, to where to where I work, so I, I kind of wanted to give him that shout out too. Uh, very intelligent man. Uh, so those are those are the books that that I, I think are the best that I've read so far. Yeah, Chris is a uh, all of his work is really really enjoyable. I just finished that same book as well, actually. Uh, so lastly, what is the podcast we all need to be listening to? Uh, well, you know, uh, we all probably pretty much listen to the same stuff. Um, so like non-fire related, uh, you know, it might, uh, I like Andy Frisella. I like uh, Jacko, you know, the, the emergency mindset. They haven't really done one or maybe it's emergency mind. It, it's one of the two. They haven't really done one in a little bit here, but uh, I like those ones. Uh, I, I kind of like philosophy stuff too. It kind of sounds a little nerdy, but there's one called the art of manliness. Uh, he does like a bunch of philosophy stuff on there. Um, and then as like far as fire service, I think it's just a no brainer, but you know, the journeyman, the standard, um, refined by fire from way back in the day. Um, the grabs podcast, uh, the pipe men just got on Spotify. You know, I mean, uh, I'm just listening off everything I listen to and probably my new favorite one, we had him on the podcast here. Uh, Nick Papa does uh, the fireside chat and he's done three of them so far and uh, they're, they're really good. So that's kind of what I like listening to. I pretty much don't branch out much of the fire service because I'm a complete nerd, but uh, that's what I enjoy. Those are gold, man. Thank you so much for, for sharing all your recommendations and, and from a bigger perspective, thank you so much for, for coming on this podcast today getting on the other side of the table and letting us ask you some questions today. So we really appreciate your time and your willingness to help spread the cure. So thank you, man. Yeah, Jeff. Thanks a ton. All right. Thanks.